0: as if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispie. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. ba
1: All right, welcome back, or welcome to the uh, Orange Weekly pregame podcast. It's, um, it's getting harder every week. David, I don't know about you, but, man, like, I'm, I'm still into it. I still love the Broncos. I still think we can turn this ship around, but, boy, the, uh, I don't know, the optimism is getting harder and harder to find, in, uh, you know, after an 0-4 starts, especially heartbreaking like last week. You know, I felt like we had the game. We finally got the sacks. We were moving the ball well. We scored in the first quarter. Everything was looking great. And then at the end of the game, Gardner Minshew somehow pulls off this great magical feat right in the pocket. Dodge, 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 and scores a late touchdown and sort of, you know, takes the game out of reach. Um, Yeah, just kind of sucks for us, honestly. Do you have uh, have any sort of initial thoughts about this last game before we move on?
0: Uh, You know, everything you said, it's like, uh, what can you say? I mean, we can talk about Gardner Minshew all day, and he made a couple of plays when he had to, but I think the much bigger story in the second half of that game is the fact that this run defense got gashed, Mm -hmm. and the offense couldn't stay on the field. For some reason, uh, you know, maybe the Jaguars adjusted at halftime defensively, and we didn't adjust to their adjustments quickly enough, but the, you know, the results speak for themselves. We stopped running the football. We stopped moving the football effectively through the air. And the Jaguars were able to kind of run all over us after that. And, you know, it's kind of all you can say about that game. Unfortunately, as we use that to inform us about what we can expect this upcoming week, it doesn't look much better from a matchup standpoint. You know, the Chargers have a very good running offense with Austin Eckler. And now, of course, they're getting Melvin Gordon back just in time to face us. Uh, We were talking about it earlier. Not that I don't think either of us think they need him very much overall or in this game to have success against the Broncos if they play run defense the way they did last week. It was just sloppy, poor tackling. You know, there's there's things you can point to like the temperature and the fact that they were out there for so much of the second half just Mm time-wise. And, I mean, those are definitely factors, but... That happens in a football game sometimes, and you got to be able to kind of hold up a little bit better than they did. And if they can't do it again, if they can't do it this week, it's going to be another long week. They're going to get gashed on the ground again for a lot of yards. And the Chargers aren't schlubs throwing it either. You know, they've got oh, Philip yeah. Rivers who always kind of makes a boneheaded pl- throw here and there in every single game, but will make up for it with six or seven. How on earth did that happen, yeah, Throw Absolutely. So, you know, I yeah. mean, I I think this is a good chance for the Broncos to get their first takeaway of the season. Uh, that's one positive I'm going to look for in this game. But the scoreboard, I don't think, is going to be what Broncos country is hoping for. A little spoiler alert for the end of the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, before you tune out, though, after that one, stay tuned. We are talking about more stuff. Um, but yeah you're right I think like you know the the Chargers offense has been you know uh, very dynamic they've got a different running game than the Jaguars have where you know the Jaguars are more ground and pound sort of you know give the ball to Fournette and just let him drop his shoulder Uh, the Chargers are have been led by Austin Eckler all season and he's been doing just a great job backed up by Justin Jackson Um, but now with Melvin Gordon back it brings that extra dynamic, and it's a fresh set of legs. This guy hasn't played all, you know, the entire month of September, so it's going to make an impact for sure. Um, you know, last week Chargers played the Dolphins. They won thirty to ten. I think everybody's going to win thirty to ten against the Dolphins, but they were yeah. out. They didn't have Mike Williams. They didn't have Travis Benjamin. It was um, you know Keenan Allen and company, and you know I could tell that the passing game just wasn't what it was now. I, I'm expecting Mike Williams and Travis Benjamin to come back for this week. Um, so, you know, th- this passing offense is going to be, again, quite dynamic. Um, the one advantage I do think we have coming into it, though, is, you know, we finally got sacks. You know, Von Miller was, you know, he got two sacks. Bradley Chubb had one, but my God, heartbreaking out for the year like you know we were chatting during the game and i thought he went down with a cramp it just looked yep. like some cramp and oh he'll be back whatever and yeah torn acl just um it's devastating just for any player and especially for bradley chubb like he was you know a, a promising promising run defender he was going to be one of our guys this year um that really sort of took the lead on defense but man it just yeah just sucks really yeah so and- do, do You big, know, if, uh, you
0: know. Get well soon, yeah, Bradley Chubb. Because man, this team is going to be a different team without you this season. And and like you said, one of our d- young core players for a long, long time. So hopefully, hopefully he heals up well and is back to form next year. Um, but man, yeah, just devastating. And how this defense is going to look without him? Mm. Uh, he said he played such a big role, like you were saying, in, in being one of our better run defenders yeah. this season, even though. That pass rush, which finally got going this last game, like you said, uh, hadn't been there, all, you know, except for in spurts. You know, he, he'd been more consistent in that arena than Von Miller had, certainly, um, but before both of them broke through against Jacksonville. But I think you're right. Their, their offensive line in, in Los Angeles is just an issue, kind of like us, that they just haven't totally figured out for it feels like a decade now. Yeah. It's just kind of been... Los Angeles slash San Diego is a great team can they overcome this offensive line yeah so you know we'll we'll just have to see if we can get to the quarterback a little more if you can cor- get to Philip Rivers he's a guy that you can cause some turnovers he'll he'll fumble the ball he'll make a snap decision and throw an interception uh, you know just tossing a ball up that he shouldn't uh, so if that pass rush is effective I think you're right we can we can turn that into an advantage but they've got to do that thing where they improve and stay improved in an area instead of improving one week and then regressing the next week, yeah. like we have seen from time to time with this team.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Rivers got sacked 11 times so far in four games. So, you know, the, the opportunities are definitely there. Um, if we're looking at the depth chart, the offensive line is, you know, Russell Okung usually plays on the left tackle, but he's been out for a while. Now it's Trent Scott. Uh, Dan Feeney at left guard. He's been around for quite a while. Mike Pouncey's been a good center in this league for a while too. Uh, Michael Schofield and then Sam Tevy. Who you know so across the board, this is just a, a very average offensive line. So I think we definitely have a huge advantage there. Um, but yeah, overall, as as a team, the Chargers are you know they're two and two. They're, you know, kind of hot and cold. They, they've lost to the Lions, a very tight game, which is surprising. Like, the Lions have been doing really well this year, um, surprising a lot of people. They kept up with KC, and nobody expected them to. So, you know, the, a very interesting team uh, to look at. And then uh, they also lost to the Texans, 27-20. to um, So, you know, their wins came against the Colts, 30-24 to week one. You know, it was an overtime game, so it could, really could have gone either way. Week one's always a lie anyways. And then they beat the, uh, the Dolphins 30-10. to So, you know, I honestly think the Chargers, you know, their record shows two and two. They could easily be one and three at this point with the only one coming to the Dolphins uh, against the Dolphins. So and honestly, if we look at it, we could be a two and two team as well. We lost two games to last second field goal. So we're only a few seconds away from being two and two. So. You know, we're not you know making excuses or whatever at this point, but it's it shows that you know honestly the Chargers and the Broncos were not far away from being in the same place. We're a few seconds away from having you know the same record, if you know, if not a better record than the the Chargers. So, you know, although we. I I think the Chargers may have the better overall team at this point. I think the, you know, us the Broncos will still put up a challenge here. This just to me feels like maybe a bit of a trap game for the Chargers. Um, you know, we we really want to win And it just, it it might be coming around this week. We got to stay sort of optimistic on that end. Um, But, uh, but yeah, you know, overall, you know, we're playing in Los Angeles too. Although the stadium for the Chargers doesn't really give them much of a home field advantage. So it's, you know, there's not much uh, opportunity on on that front. So, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit undecided as to who might win this game at this point. We still have a bit of time before I make up my mind. But uh, interesting matchup though, nonetheless. It
0: is. It is, and I'll tell you, I appreciate optimism, and I am generally all for it, but right now, sitting at 0-4, I am at a point where, in my mind, it's like, go win a game. Mm -hmm. You know what? If if you want me to pick you to win a game, go win a game. Prove it. Show me something, because you have shown me that you can look really good for parts of games. And that is not a recipe to win all the games or any games in the NFL. Uh, It's a recipe to look good for a few quarters. And that's what they've done so far. And they've succeeded in shooting themselves in the foot much more often than not. And that, for any other reason, before any other reason, is why I think they're sitting at 0-4. And until they show me they can overcome that, you know... Like I said, go win a game, or yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be picking you for a lot of games this season.
1: It's just, it's <laughs> yeah. gonna
0: be rough, a rough season. I'm gonna watch all the games because I want you to win, yeah, them. and I know you want to win them too, Broncos players. N- n- the none of you that are listening, <laughs> I, I'd love for you to win these games. I know you want to want to win. I know you want to win more than I want you to win, but show me,
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and it really yeah. comes down to that. We're at the point of the year where that's it's like a quarter of this season has already gone by. Believe it mm-hmm. or not, it's already a quarter of the year done. And, you know, I, I was reading a, a stat. No, I saw a stat on TV on over like last weekend's game. And it showed like, you know, there's been zero out of 25 teams or whatever it is. That no team has made the playoffs after an 0-4 start. Start. Yeah. But however, like since like 1992 or something, which was the San Diego Chargers, believe it or not, who started 0 and 4 and they made the playoffs all that I time. I do ago. believe it. Exactly. Yeah. Who you know? Who would have thought? But uh, right. Yeah. You know. So at the end of the day, it's it's really hard to make the playoffs from this point. So sort of the priorities change. You know, at this point in the season, um, you know. Anyways, I don't. I don't. Know. I don't want to be like beating this down on the ground. Like we suck. We suck. I think there's a lot to look forward to and there's a lot of optimism to be had i'm really sticking on the fact that we've only we lost two games by last second field goals we're you know seconds away from being two and two having a completely different conversation at this point um yeah. so you know it is what it is but uh you know let's let's do yeah. this 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 show justice here and talk about this upcoming matchup um the chargers so you know here's something cool too is the chargers hired anthony lynn a few years ago same year that we hired vance joseph You know, I remember doing the podcast when we were talking about first-year head coach Van Joseph versus first-year head coach Anthony Lynn. Mm -hmm. In his first year, Anthony Anthony Lynn started at 0-4. And he finished the year at nine and seven. So that's an example of, you know, the turnaround you can have after a bad start. It can happen. Now, Anthony Lynn has proven to be an excellent head coach in the league since then. Um, you know, he's, he's a proven winner. He's a great leader. The team obviously respects him. He's, he's put together a really good roster. Um, and even in times of injury, he's found ways to win, right? He's, you know, he overcame this whole Melvin Gordon not playing in, you know, early in the year. And they've won games. And I think that's a big reason why Gordon came back to play because he realized that, oh, Shit. Like if I don't come back to play, I'm gonna be forgotten here, right? Um because Eckler's been doing such a great job. So, you know, Lynn is um yeah, overall he's doing a great job. He's he's got a background as a running back coach. Running back coach as well, um, so he's you know he's big on that offensive running game, um, and he's trustworthy. Uh, you know overall, I think he's really proven himself to be a great leader. Um, I really like him as a head coach, I really do. Um, and then his offense is Ken Wisenhunt, Ken Wisenhunt's experience in the league; he was uh, you know head coach for the Cardinals when they made the Super Bowl. He's been a, a brilliant OC for a number of years. And then defensively, it's Bra- uh, Gus Bradley, who was the head coach for the Jaguars in their porous years not that long yeah. ago before the Doug Marone era. So you know, but still a good defensive mind. Honestly, the Chargers' defense has been pretty stout. Um, you know, when you're looking at this team overall, you know, either coach or, or player, what is uh, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, what stands out to you? What's what's the sort of thing that uh, for any fan to really look out for?
0: Well, I mean, the obvious answer on the defensive side of the ball has got to be their pass rushers, right? Yeah, you, you've got Ma- Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, and that's as potent a combination as you're going to find in the AFC. And that's including uh, when Bradley Chubb is healthy um it's It's tough to keep those guys contained. Uh, you know I'm gonna be watching Garrett Bowles pretty closely mm. for this game you know he had two weeks in a row with no holding penalties uh, which is not to say that he has not had that he has had great or flawless games those two weeks. There have still been plays that have left me wanting quite a bit from him. Uh, but if that, you know, if he can continue at least to keep the those that those holding penalties out of his game, that's going to be something to at least look forward to him building on. You know, especially against pass rushers of this quality. If he can do that in a game like this, I'll be impressed. Uh, you know, the Broncos. You know, for all the Saxonville hype last last week, we didn't allow a sack. Uh, that didn't mean we didn't allow pressure. Uh, Joe Flacco was under duress quite a bit, but he got the ball out quickly, um, and the offensive line was able to give him time enough to make some plays, especially at the end of the game there. Uh, Just, you know, not enough and not consistently. So I'm just, you know, that's what I'll be really looking for is if the Broncos can have sustained offensive success against pass rushers of this quality, there's definitely no schlubs in that secondary either in Los Angeles. It's mm-hmm. a pretty good group back there. You guys got you got guys like Desmond King and Casey Hayward back there. Um, you know, they lost – oh, gosh, now I can't remember his name. Derwin James. Derwin James. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, lost him for the season earlier this year, was I think before the season even started. Oh, yeah. Preseason, yeah. Which – yeah, which is a huge blow to them because man, he's going to be a great, great player for a long time. Oh, it's
1: a huge blow to football. Like that guy was yeah. insane. He's he, he's slowly becoming that premier safety. It's really sad to see him, you know, go down it so is. early. But man, he is like he makes an entire defense what it is. He's that identity. Yeah, yeah. good if, for if us you though.
0: Ever, if you remember watching Troy Polamalu in the days of the, that defense similar type of impact mm-hmm. to your defense absolutely so yeah it's it's a crushing blow to them to have him gone but I don't think they have taken that many steps back on the defensive back end there. There may be matchups there that we can exploit, you know, as far as Cortland Sutton, I'm really, you know, I've been a guy, a fan of his all season long, and the way he's progressing, if he can go out there against another good defense on the back end, he didn't play badly against, you know, he scored two touchdowns against Jacksonville, he played very well against Green Bay as well, and that's, uh, you know, one of the better secondaries in the league, so if he can go out there and show me production again against a big-time secondary, it's going to just improve my opinion of him all the more and make me excited for one more offensive building block that we have going forward.
1: Absolutely. There's, you know, that's what I like about the Broncos There's a nice core of young players mm. that are coming up on offense. And, and so finally, yeah, finally, I mean, how long exactly. have we been
0: begging for one of those? You know,
1: exactly. And it's finally coming along. So it's, it's really nice to see. And uh, yeah, the Chargers defense is, you know, a great unit. They've got a good coach. They play a great system. Um, they're, they're interesting because uh, they did this a lot last year where they played with seven DBs on the field um, and they would bring their DBs in as linebackers quite often to sort of match up against these like mobile quarterbacks and these sort of, of like spread offenses that we're seeing Um, but that was heavily used because Derwin James was able to you know how can I say like make up for a lot of gaps and mistakes and limitations Mm -hmm. of other players he was such a presence that you know just him being on the field occupied enough sort of space um, that it, it made it possible to have Extra DBs and and smaller bodies to cover the uh, you know the, the the receivers and the running backs and the gaps. So with Derwin James being out, you know I haven't seen that as much this year. Uh, but nonetheless, like they've got a, an outstanding core of defensive players. Like their whole starting unit is you know fantastic. Yeah. Just you know Bosa and Ingram alone are just great players. And then at linebacker position with Thomas Davis, he uh, he's been playing for the Panthers for a really long time. He's a great linebacker. He's you know up there in age, but he's still fantastic and. Denzel Perryman's a good young linebacker too so um, you know it's overall a good defense um I still think that you know we can put points up on this defense they're not immune yeah. they're not the best unit we face this year like you know please we we almost beat Chicago Bears and that defense is much better we all well we didn't almost beat the uh, the Packers but still the Packers we held beat, in for yeah a while. yeah exactly we yeah. had a chance but I mean with Aaron Rodgers like how far can you go and then even Turned Jaguars in
0: Packer territory I we're not gonna go back that, far. <laughs> get into that
1: again. yeah exactly and uh, anyway yeah. so even like the Jaguars like we put up 24 on the Jaguars which was the highest amount of points we scored this year so you know if if we honestly if we look at it like you know we scored 16 week 1 14 week 2 16 week 3 and 24 you know so it's we're finally kind of going up in our ability to score um so i think it's going to really help out I really like how Scangarello is able to, you know, evolve his offense from week to week. I'm not seeing the same things sort of coming along, you know, over and over again. There's new stuff, new players are being put into the fold. Like Noah Fant had a great week last week. Um, You know, he's looking good. He's finally coming into his role, I think. So, um, you know, overall, I think our offense is getting better. Our defense, I think, got weaker because Bradley Chubb got hurt, which, you know, let's not get back into that. But, um, you know, so I think that's a bit of an advantage for the Uh, Chargers offense just given their again their their playmaking ability like Keenan Allen's a top receiver in the league right now if not the top in terms of receiving yardage he's got three touchdowns on the year um, and he's just like awesome Um, but the thing is we play these guys twice a year usually so you know people like uh, Chris Harris is used to seeing them Todd Davis is used to seeing them right we're we're used to the 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 sort of you know Philip Rivers led offense so there's there's, you know, a lot of work that can be done against this team, and I think that we can match up really well against them. I just yeah. think that right now they have a lot more momentum than we do, a lot more confidence than we do. You know, I don't think any of their players are talking about stuff like, oh, only 13 weeks left for me. You know, I think that they're really fighting for, you know, at least a wild card spot in the AFC. Um, so... You know, in terms of overall mentality, I think the Chargers have an advantage. But I think, you know, physically, pound for pound in terms of X's and O's, I think we can match up very well against this team, honestly. Yeah. you know,
0: I, I agree. Um, I think there are certain matchups that are definitely favorable on paper. Um, our running backs uh, against those linebackers, like you mentioned, Thomas Davis, uh, Dontrell Inman, you know, guys who are, you know, good linebackers, especially, you know, Inman's pretty got some good speed but you know Davis I don't know if I like the matchup of Thomas Davis versus Philip Lindsay if I'm uh, if I'm Los Angeles I think mm-hmm. that one is definitely in our favor or even Royce Freeman I think can definitely cause problems for those guys in the passing game uh one thing that actually I mean I was just kind of baffled at in the Chargers or I'm sorry in the in the Jaguars game was how we got away from the run game in the yeah. second half you know and it was you know, when I look at Philip Lindsay's stats, you know, Royce Freeman was not having that great a day. Royce Freeman was kind of grinding a little bit, but that's his style. You know, he kind of has to grind for a little bit, wear the defense down, bang around in the in the middle there until you've got those guys so tired, and then you can bust a, you know, 10, 15-yard jaunt on them. Um, but Philip Lindsay was having a day. Nine carries, 53 yards. He did have a long carry of 28, which... Excuse the stat a little bit there, but he was definitely not getting stuffed at the line every time, and their team only had 16 rushing attempts all game, I, you know, that versus 38 for Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have expected that number to be much closer to even than it actually was, yeah. and I am hoping that they do not completely abandon that facet of their offense this upcoming week like they did last week. Uh, even in favor of that short passing game, Unless the 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 Chargers just absolutely stone the run, I would really like them to kind of come out and establish that early and stick with it throughout the game. We've seen this team can be a successful ball control offense. Last year, last week they moved the ball really well through the air too. It, it at times, so we can we've seen they can do everything in spurts, like you said, and I I really do like you. Um, I'm really enjoying watching the Scangarello offense come into play a little more every week, yeah. because I think what you're seeing is the players just get a little more comfortable in the scheme, and that's why you're seeing it come together a little bit every week. Uh, the play, you know they just know their assignments a little bit better on certain plays. He is opening up the playbook a little more and adding new wrinkles as he figures out which guys he can trust to be in the right position. Um, so you know if they can take another step forward on offense this week. You know, maybe we are looking at another scenario where they score 24, 27 points. Uh, will it be enough to, to win a game? I'd like to believe so, but, you know, we've we talked about that earlier. I'll believe it when I see it.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, the Chargers scored 30 on Miami. Which mm-hmm. again, I, it's you, that's a, most the game's people a are gonna score thirty on me. You know. Most people have yeah. already, right? So and then yeah. they, they put thirty up on the Colts in Week One, you know, and twenty. So like, honestly, the the Chargers aren't this high powered offense or anything. It's not like we're it's not like you know when we're talking we're gonna talk about the Chiefs in a few weeks where it's like how how do you stop them from putting a forty? You know what I mean? The Chargers yep. are just in a position where they're a good, solid, balanced offense. Um, but back to this like running issue with the uh, against the Jaguars there. You know, remember in the third quarter how the Jaguars came out of the ball and they had the, the ball for like eight and a half minutes. For yeah. most of the quarter they just held onto it. And I think that played a part in you know, I think the offense was cold for the Broncos when they came back in. And I think yeah. there's a certain sense of like we need to get points on the board fast as opposed to just let's get back to our game plan. So you're right, because we need to stay balanced i think our strength especially in a zone offense the one that Scangarello's running you have to run the ball if you don't run the ball you can't play action you can't do the motions you can't do a lot of stuff it really limits you so you have to run the ball even if you're down even if the clock is ticking yeah. you have to run the ball you have to stick to that because it just keeps the uh, the defense off balance right and
0: that's i mean and they work down you know they're still up 17 to 10 at that point after the after the jaguars come out and score in that opening drive that took like you said forever yeah. You know, stay with your game. You're not, you're still lo- winning this game. It's not like you're playing not to lose the game. You can still establish that run. You can be effective with that run and use it to continue setting up your pass game. And they just, they just decided to pass to set up the pass. Yep.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's a rough one. I think it's a case of, you know, out coaching yourself, like doing too many yeah. adjustments at halftime. And like some, it's, you know, first time offensive coordinators, it's, you know, it's a learning process and like they're, they're figuring out as they go, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's just really tough to see the growing pains. You know, it's like watching a teenager or yeah. toddler trying to learn how to walk. You know, you're just like, oh, ah, yeah. come on, figure it out. But, you know, eventually yeah. they will. It's, um, it's in the, it's in the stars for sure. Um, you yeah. know, I want to say the Chargers don't have a, a huge high-powered offense, but I'm looking at the stats now, and Philip Rivers is third in the league in passing yards uh, behind Matt Ryan and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And and uh, Keenan Allen is number one in receiving, 452 receiving yards. So, you know, it's it, they're, they're a good team. They, these two are a really good duo, and I think this is going to be the key to really shutting down this offense is shutting those two down. And if we can yeah. get like a Chris Harris matched up on Keenan Allen, I think that, you know, even though Chris Harris might be a little uh, – checked out of the season I think he's still a good player and yeah. I think he still can put uh you know a good matchup up against Allen.
0: Yeah, oh gosh, yeah. I that's I'll be watching that all day. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, Chris Harris has not had a great season up to this point I don't think. Um he let Devonte Adams get by him for a couple uh last week uh you know, he let uh, you know some there was a I think a DJ Chark completion that I kind yeah. of th- I remember was be was being on him uh it's you know he's kind of mixing in a few more of those allowing big catches along with a little bit of vintage Chris Harris here and there. So I'll be interested to see if he can hold up against Keenan Allen. Uh, just one note. I think I said Dontrell Inman earlier when I was referring to a Chargers linebacker and I meant Denzel Perryman. Uh, so <laughs> I can see. Uh, he made that mistake. Yeah. It's no close. Gordon Minshew, but I wanted to go back and uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, we go should, back in. We should bring that. Up. We need to let everybody know that uh, we fired Jared last yeah, week. Yeah, no, he's...
0: That's, why he's no longer here. Yeah. yeah you, he, you'll no longer be hearing Jared on this podcast. He kept on the, saying
1: Gordon Minshew instead of Gardner Minshew. And then, I don't know. We so. called it
0: Minshew Gate. It got real ugly behind the scenes at Orange Weekly. Oh, it was bad, uh, yeah. And Lawyers came into yeah, play.
1: So, But we Jared had to let not him not been asked not to come No, back. it's okay. Yeah, it's it's yeah. fine. I mean, I'm sure he'll survive. He was a founding member, but, you know, who cares? You make a mistake like that, man, you're out. You it's over. You gotta go. Yeah. yeah. This is a football podcast. It sorry. is. This is a no-nonsense right here, All right, It's a no-nonsense Absolutely. environment
0: <laughs> No BS is what we do here at Orange <laughs> Weekly. It's it's not just on one show.
1: And on that note, we're excited to get Jared back next week, hopefully, and uh, bring back that dynamic. Hopefully, uh, you know, if anything, he makes us look good, right? He does. I yeah, feel like absolutely.
0: So. We are much better in comparison once we are putting these audition, you know, auditions <laughs> together for our future podcasting careers. We can say listen to how good we could we listen, you know, listen to how good we are against this monkey. But, uh, you know, <laughs> oh man! I'm sure he's. Off taking care of something on the desk on the decks of a ship. I,
1: yeah, somewhere you know mopping yeah. or something. Whatever he does as chief, or you know, absolutely. Anyways. I hope people know we're joking. I hope they do. You know, I think we love they Jared. Do. We do absolutely love
0: Jared. to death, and uh, and he's you know obviously the most talented one one among us. So. Yeah,
1: but if he miss, you know, pronounces another name or makes another mistake, then he's definitely fired. You know, that's we, it. It's you know no nonsense, right? We got one strike, and then you're out. We like yeah. to
0: be, you know, we like to be forgiving on this show, but we're professionals here. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> let's get it
1: going. Yeah, loose term on professionals. Oh my God, um, right so, asterisk, yeah, big asterisks. Um, so you know what? Something else I want to talk about is, you know, sort of looking at the first quarter of the season. Um, we talked a little about a little bit about this before we got going here, but it, you know, where are the problems coming from? You know, like, I, I, this has been bothering me for a little bit. Like, we've been doing this show for, like, yeah, you know, this is our third year doing this. Um, this is my third year, anyways, doing, like, the pregame podcast. And it's sort of been the same theme year after year. There's a lot of hype and a lot of optimism early in the year. And then the year goes on. There's just, it, it just seems like something's going on wrong within this whole culture um you know at, for the last couple of years I'm like yeah it's clearly Vance Joseph you know and and it was like Vance Joseph was causing a lot of issues his culture wasn't very good it, it just it wasn't working we got rid of him and now with Fangio like I'm a still I'm still a big believer in Fangio I think he can put together a great roster Scangarello's offense is getting better every week like there's a lot of optimism but man an 0-4 start it's just Uh, it's heartbreaking and it's hard not to sort of look at the hard facts. And, um, you know, I want to get your sort of opinion or your your ideas as to where do you think these problems are coming from? Like, why is it that we just can't get over this hump of mediocrity?
0: Yeah. And looking back over those seasons, it's just it's problems that look the same, but when you go back and really dissect them, they're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for a, a few years there, after Peyton Manning retired, it was quarterback play. It was it yeah. was really the sinker, and then it was you know now now we kind of transitioned from that to finally having at least a league average quarterback. And now it's a whole new crop of problems that some of them resemble old problems, some of them don't The, the offensive line, like we talked about a little earlier, hasn't been stable at all during that period, and yeah. even before then when when Peyton Manning was here, the offensive line was never one of those groups that was going to win any awards you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the, you know there was always an elite part of the team then and and since then you know we've been relying on the defense to be that elite part of the team. And unfortunately, the guys who were elite have gotten older, and the guys that they've drafted to replace some of those guys that are no longer with the team didn't pan out. So what you've got to look at when you, I think, you have continued follies, you know, continued areas on the team where there's just not improvement, at a certain point, I'm afraid you do. You have to look at the general manager because it's his job to assemble a roster and assemble a coaching staff and put that make that product come together well not make it not make it come together but have that product be able to come together on its own and coalesce into a team and go out there on the field and actually win. Yeah. You've got to get guys who can do the things that you need them to do to win football games and if the team's not doing it consistently especially for a myriad of reasons, if you know, if it's one thing that you can really point to and say it's coaching. They just haven't gotten the right guy in there. I mean, at a certain point, that's got to show out. Mm-hmm. It can't just be coach. the coaches can't coach and the players can't play, but it's only the coaches' fault, so we'll just keep replacing coaches. Yeah. Or it's the coaches can't coach and the players can't play, but it's only the players' fault. We'll just cut these players and get new players. Yeah. At a certain point, you've got to look above those guys and say, who's bringing these coaches and players together, and why isn't it working when you're when they're doing it? Yeah. Um, that's really what I'm looking at. And, you know, I think the last two draft classes for Elway have been better, but the ones before that are, uh, I mean, I don't think it's unchar- uncharitable at all to call them bad. I think I've a desert wasteland them. is the most accurate description that you can look at. You know, you've got Von Miller and Derek Wolfe and... Um. exactly yeah I mean I, I'm not doing justice to everybody but outside the 2018 and 2019 draft classes there's not more than five guys that I can say these are average NFL starters Yeah. from any of those draft classes first round to seventh round there's just not a lot of them and you know we make a lot of hay about Elway's free agency but since that you know storied free agency of 2014 where we got you know, Demarcus Ware Aqib Talib came You know, outside of that, we really haven't, you know, this year's big prize free agent was now the highest paid right tackle in the league. And we're still, you know, we haven't seen him in a couple of weeks. Yeah. 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 You know, where he's on the injury report is questionable this week. So at least he's back at practice. Mm. But, you know, Jawan James, we just haven't seen for a couple of weeks. We have to put Elijah Wilkinson in there. And he's not a guy who you want to have starting a lot of games for you if you want to win those games. Uh, no you know, no disrespect to him, he's a decent backup in this league. But you paid a lot of money for a guy to play right tackle you want him to play. You've just got to have these free agents and these draft picks pan out. And if they're not, you, you've got to look at the top.
1: Yep. And I, I agree. I mean, that's... That's sort of where I start to see the issues sort of, like, you know, come about. Because, you know, if we look at er uh, early in Eloy's career as a GM here, year one, eight and eight, no problem. Year two, they bring in Peyton Manning. Now, you know, Peyton Manning was the most coveted free agent in the last... God knows how long like probably ever like he everybody wanted a piece of Manning right and Elway managed to get him in and I thought he I think he managed to get him in because of you know Elway's a quarterback back in the day and it was the culture Mm -hmm. and it was you know things worked out and the team was kind of together and it worked out but listen like Peyton Manning will make any team better. You put Peyton Manning on the Miami Dolphins of today and I guarantee you they win games. Like it's it's, it's just that, right? So I think we've been attaching a lot of Elway's success to Manning. Like I did, you know, the quick math and anybody can do this to check it out, but Elway with Manning has a 50 and 12 record and Elway without Manning has a 28 and 40 record and counting. That's including our four losses this year. So, you know, I look at this and I'm like, is this really a great general manager? Should he really have been here for the last, <clears throat> all, you know, like what has it been eight, nine years right now? Or are we just kind of stuck on the name and the fact that the success with Manning was sort of masking the fact that he's making mistakes because I'm looking at the draft classes right now. And since he came in 2011, like Von Miller was the, you know, second overall pick that year, but it's Von Miller we're talking about. He was guaranteed to be an outstanding player. You know, he's just one of these guys, right? And then after yeah. that, you know, we've got Derek Wolf. And then after that, it, it, you know, it was early second round. And then after that, Sylvester Williams. Nobody from the 2013 draft class is still with the team. And then, you know, Bradley Roby, Cody Latimer. Who are these guys from, you know, the the years before? Uh, Shane yeah. Ray, Ty Sombrilo. Um, you know, after that, Paxton Lynch, Adam Gottsis, you know, then Garrett Bowles. Dem- I go on and on. Right, The last two years have been nice, but it's only been two years. It's hard to tell. Um, the draft class last year I think was fantastic. Bradley Chubb, Cortland Sutton, Royce Freeman, um, even Isaac Yadam. He's had a hard start this year, but he's still you a know, decent player. Josie Jewell, like Deshaun Hamilton. like These were good players, and it finally looked like a great draft class. This year with Fant, Reisner, and Locke alone, I yeah. think makes up for a great core but the f- 5 years before that it's just miss 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 and it's really starting to catch up to him because you know I think the Peyton Manning effect was such that you know a lot of players like you know the the uh, Marcus Ware and Akeep Dilib and Wes Welker and you know uh, who who was the, they had a great left tackle for uh, a number of years there too what was his name Ryan Clady well they drafted Ryan yeah. Clady in 2008 you know it was part of this this crew but um, nonetheless like I'm trying to get to is that you know Peyton Manning makes your team look great and Peyton Manning also attracts a lot of free agents like. You know, DeMarcus Ware probably went to finish career there because Peyton Manning was QB. Aqib Talib probably wanted to play there because Peyton Manning was QB. Elway played a part in it for sure, but the Peyton Manning effect was really strong. And so, yeah. you know, I just can't, I can't overlook the fact that Elway just has so many misses since that time, and even during that time, that we just can't... God, we can't ignore this anymore. Like, look at how has he fixed the quarterback position by Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is 45 and 45 as a starter in his career. He is the definition of average. You know what I mean? So it's not, we're not going to get much farther than average with Joe Flacco. Now he's an excellent football player. He's a professional player. He's won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. I'm I'm not taking, taking anything away from his career. But at the end of the day, where he is now is average. And what have been our QB solutions since then? Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, um, you know, who am I missing here? There's got to be some names I can look up or whatever it is. But uh,
0: The Mark Sanchez experiment. The Mark Sanchez uh, experiment.
1: Now with Drew, yeah. Locke, like, Drew Locke. Don't
0: was, forget Case Keenum last uh, year. Case I mean, Keenum? I forgot Case Keenum wow, last exactly. year. Yeah. Uh, look how
1: much they paid Case Keenum last year, like a two-year, $30-something million contract. Like, what? And, like, Drew Locke, was, you know, he was projected first round and he dropped to the second. It's a good value pick. But the first thing we hear about, you know, during camp, was that he doesn't look like a QB you know what I mean like why why are we putting these like it just you know it, it, and a guy like Gardner Minshew Gordon Minshew Gardner Minshew that falls all the way to the sixth round and performs this well I mean a lot of teams miss on him but still like there's just something missing within this front office that just doesn't scream championship organization anymore and well, you know
0: yeah no at a certain point you're, you're setting your team back absolutely you know those. you can sign whoever you want to in free agency but the draft is how you build a team in mm. the NFL it always has been and it always will be and if that if your guys you know if you sign stars in free agency but your depth is terrible because you can't draft guys if you miss on guys in the second third fourth fifth rounds you're not going to have a football team it's why we've been so terrible on special teams the the last few years because that's who, who plays special teams for yep. you, is your fifth, sixth, seventh round backup linebackers and backup running backs and backup tight ends. And we don't have good players at those positions because yep. we missed on draft picks. And it's uh, going to be – it's it's one of those kind of self-fulfilling prophecies. You've got a GM who can't draft, so he drafts players who are bad, so he gets to draft higher, so he gets to you know look yep. really good for having a high draft pick and getting that one right. And then he d- misses on the rest of his draft picks, and he has a bad team still. It's it's at a, you know it's you've got to give there, and especially at the quarterback evaluation, like you were saying, you can't miss that consistently at that position in this league. Yeah, you can't have guys like Paxton Lynch, like Case Keenum, starting meaningful games for you and expect that you're just going to walk away from that with winning records in the season. You've got to hit on a draft pick. You know, I I thought that trading everything that Kansas City traded to get Patrick Mahomes was crazy at the time. I thought that was going to be a move. You know, that's why I really prayed that it didn't work out because if it didn't work out, then I could pan them for not only getting a bad quarterback, but for giving up a ton of stuff to get a bad quarterback But credit to them. You know what? They trusted their evaluation system. They paid what they had to pay to go get their guy. And he's going to be the MVP candidate for... The next twenty years in this league. He's yeah, so, he's, he's the um, the
1: LeBron of the NFL this but but I mean like with you know I think a lot of teams projected Mahomes to not be you know, they project him as a project or whatever. Like yeah, he absolutely it is what it is, but at the end of the day, it just goes to show that like there's something missing with Elway's evaluation sort of scheme, right? Like last year, I mean, with Bradley Chubb at fifth overall, I don't think we expected Chubb to be there. I think most people thought that Cleveland was gonna take, take Chubb mm-hmm. at four. Fine, yep. Chubb falls to five. You have to make that pick because he's a great player. But we've also, you know, Quentin Nelson was right behind him. I think Quentin Nelson is going to be a better player than Chubb for his entire career. Uh, you know, across the board. Mike McGlinchey, not bad too. Uh, Josh Rosen, well, Josh Rosen's whatever. You know, but
0: if we wanted Josh Rosen, we could have had him for a third round pick this year. Exactly. So, and you know, you know what? He's
1: he's he's doing okay. He's doing the best he can in freaking in, in, in a Miami. bad situation. You know, but,
0: credit to Josh Rosen. I think he's going to be a decent quarterback in this league. Honestly, I think he's got a lot of tools, and I wish that Elway had had the the stones to go get yeah. him. And you know, he but,
1: I think Elway just likes the tall, cannon arm quarterbacks, and he does. He's th- got his type. This is no longer the type of quarterback that succeeds in the NFL. It's just not. It's the intelligent, diverse versatile quarterbacks like the lamar jackson lamar jackson's progression from last year to this year is unreal like wow it's brilliant to watch right and like i'm just talking about last year's draft but if we look at the year before that we took garrett bowles at 20th overall when excuse me like after the 20th pick here let me look at it here where's garrett bowles oh garrett bowles um you know i don't know there's a lot of players here that could have Tradavius white Great player. T.J. Watt could have... If we had T.J. Watt, we wouldn't need to draft uh, Bradley Chubb. Like, you know, of course, you know, we're talking in hindsight and it's easy for us to sit back here on our nice chairs and, you know, complain about uh, Elway's decision-making. It's not an but easy I, job. But yeah. I'm sorry, but to miss consistently year after year after year, especially at the quarterback position, is just, like, driving me nuts. Like And, the,
0: and that's, it, you know, and the Garrett Bowles especially was just a panic pick you yeah. know we had nobody yeah. at, to play left tackle for us that season and he was oh. the highest guy on the on everybody's boards and you know it was him or Ryan Ramchick he and, was really being talked about closer to toward between the 25 and 28 range but he wasn't going to be there the next time the Broncos mm-hmm. picked and yeah you know they took a position of need and they reached for it they did. and yep and that's the result we're getting um and it's, you know, it's bad enough if you do that one one season. If you make that mistake once. But, you know, the reaching on guys because of athletic potential, reaching on guys because of the measurables when they haven't put it out on film yet. Reaching on guys because they had one blow-up game against a big-time school and then were quiet against the rest of the, the their entire college season. You know, it's those kind of picks that have really really doomed this team and you know, guys like Demarcus Walker, who are fighting for roster spots and maybe getting chances because of injuries to other guys, are just showing us that there's just limitations to that kind of drafting. And we've got to see a little bit more of the philosophy that we've seen the last two years. Because unfortunately, we can, you know, this is an exercise in academic discussion. But the reality is John Elway's not going anywhere until, I think, they pay, they until at least Drew Locke either pans out or doesn't.
1: Yeah, and uh, Drew Locke could be his saving grace if he comes through. And I mean like, I know I'd like to recant a few things I said. Like where where the Broncos have been drafting the last couple of years, there really wasn't any elite talent at quarterback available. However, no. Look no. at the teams that have the elite quarterbacks right now. They made moves, aggressive moves to get them. Carson That's Wentz. That's what I'm saying. The Eagles paid a fortune to get Wentz, and it paid off. They won a freaking Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, they paid a fortune to get Patrick Mahomes, and it pay. it's paying off. You know, it's like if you want to get that elite guy, you have to jump up and get it. That's just the nature of the league right yeah. now. And to to sit back and just wait for somebody to fall or to try and play the value and, and all this is just, it, it's as if he's, I don't know, he's just not in tune with maybe the modern NFL anymore. And it's really just hurting overall. Like, I don't know, I, you know, we can go on and on, but, well,
0: that's it. I mean, the like you're saying, nobody remembers how many first-round picks the Eagles gave up to get Carson Wentz off the top exactly. of their head. Exactly. And nobody remembers off the top of their head what the Chiefs gave up to get Pat Mahomes. Exactly. All right? When you because, hit yeah. on those guys, it doesn't matter what you paid.
1: Exactly. Because
0: you've got because you, your franchise quarterback is priceless. You cannot yep. measure a franchise quarterback in first-round picks. That's why none of them are traded w- once they become franchise quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't happen. So, you know, if you're going to find a guy that's really your guy, who I don't care if he's the first overall or second overall prospect on the entire draft board, if you have to give up three first round picks to go get him, go get him. If you think that's the guy who's going to lead your franchise for the next 20 years, do it. The problem is, I don't know if John Elway, if I can trust John Elway to pick that guy.
1: Oh yeah. You know, I, it's yeah.
0: that's you know and the dolphins right now there's two ways to do it you can do it that way the find your guy and go get him way or you can do it the way the dolphins <laughs> are doing which is just tank and, and, and collect picks. tank for and, Tua yeah. and do it without shame and do it without apologizing yeah. and you know yeah. we are not the Broncos are not doing that for all nope. all we complain about how they're doing this season they're in every game they're competing their asses off and they're going to continue to do it and we can at least be thankful <laughs> for that for them, put in trying to put a winning product out on the field every week, even if they can't get it done. Um, but that being said, if you're going to do what John Elway wants to do and quote win from now on unquote, uh, you've got to be able to you've got to be able to succeed at the quarterback position. Yeah, you've got to get a guy who will be your franchise cornerstone. And it's too late too early to know if Drew Lock's going to be that guy yet or not. But bringing this full circle a little bit, I think if he's not, then that's that's the end of the Elway tenure in Denver.
1: I, 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 It has to be. There has to be a point where it just changes. Because, like, I'm sorry, but a great player does not make a great manager. It's been proven time and freaking time again. But these teams seem to think that it's the success factor. Like, other than Ozzie Newsome, there's very, very yeah. few great players that become great managers. Like look at, you know, Doug Peterson was a backup quarterback in the NFL. Now he's a great he wasn't a star player. He was a backup quarterback. Um Jason Garrett with the Cowboys. And I think Jason Garrett's the biggest wet towel in head coaching in NFL. Like and he's, you know, he's pretty um Pretty close to, uh, what's his name? Jerry Jones over there, if you catch my drift. So, you know, I think that, you know, he was a backup quarterback nonetheless still. So what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the star players don't come in and make great coaches. Like, if that were the case, if that's the way it should have worked, Wayne Gretzky should still be a great head coach in the NHL today. But he's not. He had his chance with Phoenix and it failed because it's just... Like, you know, and this is just, we see it out in in the real world. We see it, like, academically, too. Like, this is the stuff I I do in my day-to-day life. And it's just proven that it doesn't, like, great talent as an athlete does not equate great talent as a coach or a manager. They're two different worlds. But, you know, with a name like Elway, with the notoriety that he has within the community and the organization, listen, it's like... It's going to be hard to, to, to let him go now. How do you want to tell your, your best quarterback ever, the the face of your entire franchise's history, to, yeah, sorry, we're going to move on from you? You know, it's hard, right? It's just not an easy thing. But it's, you know, they took a gamble. It worked for a few years. But I think it worked because of Peyton Manning, not because of John Elway's team-building capacity. I think it worked not. with Peyton Manning's ability to freaking lead anybody to, to, to wins into championship bursts, you know, so it's it's just If uh, I'm John
0: Elway... Uh, what I'm doing now and for next season is building as good a team around Drew Locke as I can, mm. starting with the offensive line.
1: Mm. Yep.
0: Get d- Use two or three high draft picks in this draft. You're going to have them. You know, you're yeah. going to have guys that are that are going to be available to you. But what, uh, yeah. what about when the, the offensive the... line, the tackle class especially this year, is better than it has been in a few years. Thank God, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're going to have a, probably a top 10 draft pick this year again. Go get a premier tackle. Don't fuff around with Garrett, you know, 25-year-old rookies. Go get a guy like that and then, you know, get another reliable guard in the second or third round. And go from there. You know, you've got a great offense. If you solidify that offensive line, really, really solidify it, you have a really good young offensive core on this team for Drew Locke to use. You put him in there in his second year, you start him, and you see what he's got. And if he doesn't have it, then that's it for you. And if he does, I mean, you put him in the best position possible to succeed. If he succeeds, great. Then you've saved your job. That's what I do if I'm John Elway. And we'll see how that plays out. You know, I'm, thank goodness I'm not John Elway because man, I did not want that job for love or money. I sure as heck couldn't do it. Yeah. It's hard enough to sit here on the uh, on a podcast and tell him how terrible a job he's been doing already. I sure couldn't do it if I was him.
1: Uh, yeah, no, it's, but, it's it's tough. Like we're 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 yeah. complaining here, but I mean, he's, he's yeah, I'm oh, sure yeah. he's doing the best he can. I'm just at a sure, point no, where it's like course. your best isn't good enough. But here's the thing: if we're drafting in the top five, there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out this year. I'm thinking about mm-hmm. Tua. At uh, from Alabama, I think Miami's going to take him first overall. We got Justin Herbert too from Oregon. Yeah. He's been, and he's exactly the kind of guy that Elway likes. He's like six six. He's got a great arm. He's insanely accurate. He's got all this great stuff. Um, yeah. You've also got uh, this love from uh, I forget what school he plays for, but you know, <clears throat> forgive me. Anyways, there's there's a number of quarterbacks coming out. So if we're sitting there in an early pick and these quarterbacks are available, and he doesn't pick one. Well, you know, like, yes, getting good offensive linemen absolutely matters. It, it makes a, an absolute difference, and we have to do it. But the fact of the matter is offensive linemen aren't coming into the NFL prepared to play at a high level because the college game is completely different than the NFL game. But what we've seen is that, you know, these young QBs have found a way to navigate their way to early success in the NFL. I mean, year after these last couple of years, it's just going to show that, you know, these QBs can succeed, especially from these spread offenses. So mm-hmm. do we make that decision? to go for a young passer, or do we just skip on all that and try to build a team around Drew Locke? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I
0: think what you may see is it It, it may depend a lot on how the end of this season, the finals mm-hmm. six or seven games go. Um, if there's, you know, if there's no hope, if Joe Flacco has regressed, if, you know, if you start Drew Locke in some of these games because you've got literally nowhere, excuse me, nowhere to go but up, um, and you see enough out of him that makes you say, yeah, I want to build around this guy next year. Or you see enough of him to say, no, this isn't going to be our guy. We need to start over again. No. I mean, especially if you're at that if at that point on the wins losses column, you are going to be thinking about a top 5 pick like you say, and you may be in line to pick one of these high quarterbacks if you're up there. Uh, you may have to make that decision. So you may want to see what Drew Locke has now. Evaluate as much as you can yeah. over the last few weeks of the season if that's going to be a guy you think you can legitimately build around or if it's, you know, like I said, you know, if you have to tear down and start that all over again.
1: Yeah, and, you know, imagine that uh, these moves happen early. We get a new GM for next year. What's going to happen? Yeah. Get to get a new head coach. Going to get a new culture. Going to start all over again. So, yeah, listen, going to be rough. And I don't yeah.
0: want to. I don't want. I don't necessarily want to move on from this coaching staff right no. now. Is the thing I think there's a lot of a lot of potential in this coaching staff. Uh, I think the Scangarello offense is really coming together with this team, uh, like we talked about a little earlier. And I think Fangio, you know, it was a slow start with the Bears when he came there too. Uh, it, once he gets some, you know, that personnel in place that really runs his scheme, it's a lockdown top five defense in the NFL you know, with guys like Malik Reed out there playing edge rusher instead of Bradley Chubb, it's going to look a little different. That doesn't mean they're not going to have success at times, but until then it's not going to look like a top unit in the NFL. So, um, but like I said, I'd, I'd like to see more out of this coaching staff. I just don't know if I need to see that much more out of
1: the general manager. Yeah, no, I agree. But uh, man, I just really need to talk about that. So thanks for hearing me out. Uh, Lots complaining. Get that vented a little bit. Yeah. um, You know, listen, I, what happens happens, you know. We'll see how the season progressive progresses. We can start winning, and you know we'll forget all about this discussion. But uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think that you know the the true issues are starting to shine, and the, yeah. the real source of the problems that we've been having is really starting to come into fruition. And um, yeah. you know, it, it is what it is. Listen, Gary Kubiak retired right in his prime. Peyton Manning retired right on top, and maybe Elway should have done the same thing. But uh, <clears throat> it's the way she goes. Um, yep. But let's move back to this Chargers matchup. That's what we're supposed to be talking about. Right. Maybe Kevin's going to fire us when he hears all this nonsense we're talking about. Yeah, now. you know. That's okay. the,
0: nobody he's He's not listening to us anyway. No. <laughs> anyway so, yeah, we can, uh, we can say that. <laughs>
1: um, so who, uh, let's do our predictions here. Who do you think is going to win this upcoming game?
0: You know, I, I think the Broncos are going to keep it close mm-hmm. like they have in most of these other games. Um, Like I said, show me you can win a game, and I'll believe you're going to win a game. Until then, I'm going to call it 24-17 Chargers oh, this
1: time. all right, yeah. 24-17 Chargers. Now, you know what? I i want to call Chargers, but I've got this weird little gut feeling that says I shouldn't. I should go for the Broncos because there's, I don't know, there's just something telling me that this could be the week. So I'm going to pick the Broncos, but I'm going to pick a 24-23 win for the Broncos. I think this time around we get the last second field goal and we win.
0: That'd be nice. That'd be nice. I would love it. I'd be real excited about that. Yeah, just let's see what happens. Yeah,
1: I mean, I called the Broncos to win last week, and damn, it was close. But (laughs) it is what it is. You were almost right. No, like I think even I forget. I'd have to go back and listen. I'm pretty sure I said Broncos would score 24 too. I've been on it this year, but anyways, um, this is also a time here for the rest of our Orange Weekly staff. Or you know, I think it's just uh, just Jeff and Tanner this week. So let's hear their predictions. What's going on, Broncos country? It's Tanner Lee and Jeff Ryan from the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Oh, our Broncos are on four, going to the Cracker Jack box of a stadium out in L.A. I think the Broncos uh, are competitive this game, but unfortunately I like uh, Phyllis Rivers in the Chargers, 30-17. to 17. Yeah, you almost read my mind there, Tanner. I think
0: we are going to keep this close as well for about three quarters, um, and unfortunately, um, A big turnover with lack of turnover production ourselves bites us in the end. We lose, my prediction, 31-17.
1: Okay, man, so uh, any closing thoughts, any remarks, anything you want to say to our, our avid listeners?
0: Man, just if you're listening, thanks, because, man, <laughs> it's been a tough season for everybody here at Orange Weekly. It's been a tough season for everybody who loves the Broncos, but you're a dedicated fan if you're coming back and listening to us every single week, and we really do appreciate it. We don't do these shows without you guys. So Amen. thank you very much and stick with us because we'll be here through thick and thin for the rest of the season. Uh, go Broncos.
1: Go Broncos.
0: Orange, man. Orange, man. I'm ready.